Hello and welcome. You're listening to Do Less Bad, that podcast about how companies can do less bad in order to do more good. Let's get right into it with your co-hosts, Jason and Madeline. And welcome back to another week of Do Less Bad, a new way to do more good. Thanks, Jenny, for that introduction, as always. I'm Jason Anthoin, your co-host. During the day, I run a firm called Audacity. We help companies inform, involve, and inspire their employees. If you want to know more about that, you can check out thinkaudacity.com. Madeline Temple is here. She's co-host, as always. Madeline, how's it going this week? Just going fine, Jason. And as you know, but maybe nobody else does, I'm the brand strategist behind Collective Identity. In my day job, I tell companies how to talk about who they are and what they do to employees, customers, investors, partners, journalists, and six-year-olds. You can find out more at thecollectiveidentity.com. Fantastic. So why don't we jump right in on this week's episode? Let's do that. So in our last episode, We talked about knowing the one, the singular thing you want people to hear, remember, say about you, your company, product, your brand, whatever it may be in our last episode. But after you say that one thing, what what comes next? Do you simply walk away? Do you click your heels three times and say, there's no place like home? What what happens? Exactly. Like a mic drop. This is what I'm saying. Boom. (laughs) Boom. Bye-bye. But (laughs) the answer is, of course not. In fact, what's going to happen is that your one thing will likely get your listener to say something along the lines of, how do you do that? Or tell me more. And what is really surprising about that that's actually what's known as having a conversation. <laughs> How novel these days. Novel, a conversation. That's what this is designed to do, help you have a conversation. So the now what is what comes next in that conversation? And part of it is definitely going to be dictated by the questions you're asked, right? How do you do that or what does that mean? So what do you say? And that is actually what takes us to the point of today's episode which is what we call the power of three. And those three things are what support your overall message. Great. So it's the now what that comes after the one thing that you're trying to convey. It is. It is the now what. Now, why is it three? And what's this whole thing about the power of three? Well, it turns out that working memory is how we process information as we hear it. And for years, the accepted wisdom has been that people could remember five to nine words or numbers, chunks of information upon first hearing it. In fact, it it came up from a research study that was done in 56 by a professor named George Miller. Now, there's been a lot of talk as like, was that really a paper that could withstand investigation? Did he make it, not make it up, but Mm -hmm. where did this number come from? Right. Um, In fact, there's been more recent research done by somebody named Nelson Cowan. And it turns out that according to him, the magic number is actually much lower than the five to nine that Miller came up with. In fact, for Miller, it's four plus or minus one. So that means we can remember about three to five things in our working memory, or that's how you chunk things up. Right. That makes sense. You know, when I think about that, I think about how people, when you ask them, hey, what's your phone number? They chunk it up into those three groups. It's bop, 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 
and of course, that's how we do it in the U.S. because that's how our numbers are structured. Is that the same in the U.K.? I'm, they've got such funky numbers over there for phone numbers. How do they do it there? So what? It, what's interesting to me is I'll take mobile numbers in in the U.K. cell phone numbers, and there it would be three numbers, so o two o seven o, and then it's four and four. Mm. And that's actually how it's written out. If somebody's doing an ad, they'll list the the number that way for a cell number. But in reality, when somebody gives you their number, they chunk it out as five through three. Mm. And there's a rhythm to it. And so people will go 07809 or 07405. And then it's 680521. But that's how people chunk it out. And I've always found it so fascinating that you'll see it written down one way but they chunk it out when they repeat it back in a different way. Uh, that makes total sense because think about other numbers, like, for example, what? Social security numbers here in the U.S., right? Somebody says, oh, you got to give us your social security number. Bump, 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 bump. You know, it's just been drilled into our heads that that's how we need to convey that information. And look at your credit cards. You know, it's a 16-digit number in most cases. Somebody says, hey, you need to enter your credit card here on this site so you can buy these shoes. If that was one long string of 16 numbers on the credit card, no way you're going to get that right typing that in. So it's four, 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 and four. Exactly. It, it makes total sense to me. It's also why the U.S. Postal Service, their zip code addendum failed spectacularly. Mm. Now you could make the case, well, okay, I can remember the first five digits. Absolutely. Everybody can remember those five digits. If you look at what Cowan is saying, you can remember four plus right, so three to five. And then, but the, the postal service added on four numbers. Mm -hmm. and you go, but that's only nine. Come on, you can do four more. But I think what it has to do is the chunking of it. And even though it was five numbers and four, and that falls within the rhythm. Of, that's not the rhythm we knew. We always knew it as five numbers. Yeah. And suddenly, yeah. Yeah, I, I, tell me who knows the additional four numbers to their zip code. <laughs> right. Right. And so if people have to remember that. A, it goes against sort of the rhythm that they learned from, you know, childhood about what their zip code is. And B, they secretly know that if I don't put those four in there, it'll still get there anyway. <laughs> well, there's really no incentive for you to try and relearn that rhythm. They won't. And so what this power of three about is to go, let's make it really simple, right? So let's not overrun my own feeble memory with a laundry list of things I'm not going to remember, but I can remember three things. Right. So there's always three things I can remember. And if you are thinking about messaging and all the things you need to tell somebody, chunk it up into the three key points. You don't need to remember all the facts and figures underneath it. But what are the three things you want to say? Because one, you can remember that. And two, you have a much better chance of sharing that information with somebody. That's right. Which leads us right into our second point of our three, which is keep those three points simple. I remember a long time ago, uh, a former uh, boss taught me when you're giving a presentation, it's tell them what you're going to tell them, tell them, and then tell them what you told them. So even in that construct, it's still around threes. And then within each of those sections, it's three things. Um, and those things have to be simple. So, for example, if you've ever been in a PR crisis situation or some other thing um, that's got you a little bit frazzled, you may have been frozen in that moment. And it's hard to know, you know, from one crisis to the next, how we'll react if we're asked to comment during 
an event that is unfolding in real time uh, because there's so many different things that are going on. And of course, you know, there's facts and figures and background information and everything that needs to be addressed at some point. But despite all of that information, we still have to convey that uh, immediately. And the best way to do that is to list the three most important things that support your main point or story and have those be as simple as possible because your listeners uh, are going to default to those three things anyway. And so if you list out seven things or 10 things, your listener is going to remember three of those and they may not be the three that you want them to remember. So their brain is going to automatically default to three, but you want them to be the three that you want them to remember, and those need to be as simple as possible. A 25-word answer to a question is not going to help you in that situation. It won't. You won't be able to remember it. You're going to freeze on the spot, and it's going to make you look like you don't know what you're talking about. And so what I what I often say to people when I'm working on this whole thing around what's your one thing, what's your core story, what's your main message, and then what are the, th- the three support points, is that and, and the reason that I talk about this whole thing about clear, simple, and true, mm-hmm. the reason the truth matters so much, and we're not even going to get into the morality of the truth, but that matters because whether or not you're in a fabulous situation, let's say you're talking about an earnings report and you beat expectations, so your mm-hmm. stock is going to go soaring, or mm-hmm. you have had a crisis situation where... There's been a fire at a plant and four people have been injured. Mm -hmm. The three points, your main message and your three points are true no matter what, whether you're in a great situation or you're a bad situation. And that's why if those three points are true no matter what, you automatically know what to default to. Now, you always need to address a situation as it's happening and there are specifics of it. You absolutely have to address when the time is right. But those three things will be your guidepost to actually helping you talk about and put things into context. That's right. That's right. And I think, you know, it's important to define that. Otherwise, your audience is going to define that, which gets us right in to our third point. And that is, don't let your audience decide what's important to know. (laughs) Right. We can never let them decide what's important. We have to say what's important. You do. And some people go, whoa, 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 that's that's wrong. That's very Machiavellian. That's so planned. Mm-hmm. And it is exceptionally planned. Again, the reason why, if you want to tell me it's very Machiavellian, it, there's maybe a little bit of evil attached to it. I go, as long as it's true, I have no issue with it. In fact, if you don't c- control and tell people what it is, what are the three things they need to know, if you don't help guide that conversation, mm-hmm. then you don't deserve to do what you do because you're going to allow somebody else to decide what are the, the three things out of a laundry list you may vomit out mm-hmm. about what they should know. Why would you give somebody that power? Right. Yeah, you certainly want to manage those expectations and the the narrative and the messaging around whatever it is you're delivering, whether it's a crisis or something really spectacular. You want the main thing to be the main thing and have people focused on that, despite some of the data points that you may need to deliver in that process. You want them to come away with those those three most important things to know that you have defined. Exactly. And again, as you've defined them, though, 
I, I mentioned earlier, having a conversation, right? Mm -hmm. So having a conversation isn't about me overriding what you've asked, right? Mm -hmm. So if, if you ask me, what's my favorite color? And I say, I like to go to the Grand Canyon. Right. <laughs> well, that, A, you haven't answered my question. Uh -huh. And B, oh, so you're ignoring me. We're actually not having a conversation. You're dictating to me. Right. Right. But what I'm saying when you have these three very high level t ways to talk about yourself is that guides you for whatever the question may be. So, for example, uh, I worked with a client a years ago called Shopper Centric. Mm -hmm. uh, they are a shopper research agency in the UK. So that means that they're the people who go into a store and they watch how customers shop in store or online, mobile, wherever. And so what we did when we were doing this work around them is that their one main message, right? So the one thing you need to know about me, we show you how to turn shoppers into buyers. That was our overarching message. Mm -hmm. The three support points though were that one, we're an independent shopper research agency. And so what came under that were the facts and figures, things like how many people work there, what it means to be an independent shopper agency, all the different things that are very factual about it. Number two, we have deep shopper research expertise. So what did that mean? Well, they can talk about their clients. They can talk about the industries they've worked in. They can have case studies. But all the different things that show what deep shopper research does and what it means. Point number three, you get the best team. And so what does that mean? Well, they're flexible. It, they can talk about flexibility in projects, how they're curious, how they're collaborative, how they understand that what matters is not just the insights they have, but how to apply that to a business problem and mm. solve it, right? right? So what were the three key things? Well, guess what? We're an independent shopper research company, number one. So we always know we can default to that. And underneath it are facts and figures that we can pull depending on what the person asks us. Number two, we have deep expertise in shopper research. Here's all the different things we've done. And the number three, the other thing we know we can go to is you get the best team. This is what it's like to work with us. What does that mean? So when somebody sells to you, oh, so tell me about a time you went into a store and it blew up. Well, guess what? We're going to talk to you about our, our expertise and what happens and how we solve the problem. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, so this is what I mean by that. There are facts and figures beneath everything, but you're going to bring those out depending on what the person asks you. But those three pillars are your guideposts. They're your signposts to help you have this conversation. That's right. And you're deciding for them what's important for them to know about you. And if you think about how a lot of people, you know, select potential business partners and vendors and things like that, they'll get on there and do a quick Google search and they'll come up with, you know, eight results. And so when they click on your site, here are the three things that we want you to know about us. And then if they click on the other, you know, four or five competitors, it might not be as crisp and clear. And so it'll be much easier for them to remember, oh, shopper centric is the one that I really want to focus on because they said they do this, this and this. Easy peasy. Exactly. And, you know, if you were in a situation where, you know, again, somebody said to you, as I said before, what's your favorite color? And I say the Grand Canyon. You have to answer the person's question. Right. But once you answer it, you can bring it back to what you want them to know about you. So let's just say in this example, what's your favorite color? I tell you the Grand Canyon. What I could do is go, my favorite color is red. And you know why? When I went to the Grand Canyon, 
right? <laughs> I saw the most amazing road. So I brought it back. So I actually wanted you to know about my trip to the Grand Canyon, but yeah. I answered your question. That's right. And that's a, you know, that's a classic media relations technique, uh, commonly known as bridging, where no matter what the question is that you might get asked, you can say whatever your answer is. You don't even have to answer that question the way it was asked. But in your answer, you do have to then circle back to the original question that was asked, no matter what it is you say uh, in between those things. It's, it's it's a great technique and it works not just in media relations, but in any conversation. It, it works anywhere. And, and to get back to this whole thing about the power of three, right? Here's a great example, present day that I absolutely love. And it's about the public information regarding how to keep COVID-19 at bay. Mm -hmm. And what did they figure out? They call it the three W's. Wear a mask, wait mm -hmm. six feet away, wash your hands. It's clear. It's simple. You can remember it. There's three things you need to do. Wear a mask, wait six feet away, wash your hands. You can't make it more simple. And there's a reason <clears throat> for that. Right. And plus there's the alliteration on top of that where they Absolutely. all start with W so that, you know, go back and think about the Pledge of Allegiance and the ABCs and all the things you did in elementary and middle school to memorize these things. It makes it easier to memorize that when there's that you know, a uh, collection of threes and there's some sort of alliteration there where they all, in this case, start with W. Right. It's like, I know there's three W's. Well, okay. Yeah. And you think about them and you go, okay, I know I have to wear a mask and I, I know I have to wash my hands. I know there's something about six feet. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> right. That's close enough. You know, if we can get them there, that wow, <clears throat> they can fill in the blanks uh, themselves at the end. You know, this comes up all the time in the work that I do, too. You know, client will call me in and go, we're ready to introduce our new uh, business strategy for the next fiscal year. And we have these 10 priorities uh, that the business needs to be focused on. And immediately I'm like, that's just that's not going to work. I know that they are your priorities, but no one is going to be able to remember 10 of these things. So is there a way that we can take those priorities and break them into groups of three so that there are now three things they need to remember? And then under each of those are these other, you know, seven things that you think are important that are really just proof points of those main three. <clears throat> and it happens in performance management uh, process as well, where your manager, you sit down with your manager and you're like, okay, we need to talk about your goals for the year. And here are the seven things that I think you ought to be focused on. Seven? What? It's hard enough for me to just do one thing all day long, much less try to focus on these seven. So how can you take those and break them down into threes so that it'd be a lot easier for your employees to remember and, you know, help deliver? I think this always reminds me of there's a very famous anecdote that happened. It was, it was coming toward the end of World War One, 1918, and President Woodrow Wilson, the U.S., had a 14-point proposal <laughs> outlining his vision for ending yes. the war. So it was the yes. four points. And it was actually the French Prime Minister Clemenceau who, upon hearing this, said, basically, God only had 10. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. You know, you think about all the amendments to the Constitution. You know, most people can tell you the first two or three. But what are they, 26, 27 of those? Exactly. Uh, <laughs> Nobody can, A, nobody knows how many they are, and B, nobody can remember any of them other than maybe the first two or three or the one that they're most passionate about. Other than that, yeah, I'm vaguely aware there's some others, but I don't know what they are. 
And nobody else does too. And and guess what? Especially now with the age we live in, everybody's just Googling it. Like, oh, I knew that. I knew. <laughs> I knew what the 13th. No, I, I knew what the 21st Amendment. I, I did. I knew it. I knew it. That's right. So, <laughs> all of that takes us back to, here's our top three things from this episode. One, the power of three and working memory. So you're unlikely to remember more, especially in a crisis. So just commit to three if you can. That's right. And when you commit to those three, keep those three points as simple as possible. Keep them and do not, whatever you do, let your audience decide your top three. Leave it to three. You tell them what it is. And let me just point out one thing, because I don't know if you were ever aware of this, but I certainly was. What do you know? Our summary always has three points. <laughs> Power yes. three. Don't you like no, like That's a magic side. trick. Yeah. And a lot of times, you know, particularly early on, we were just doing that because that's what we do now. We People are doing that in their minds without even thinking about it. It's three. It's three. It's three. And so ever since episode one, it's like, here are the top three things from the end of each episode. And initially, we were just doing it because there were three things. And now oh, we know no. there's science behind no, it. No, no, no. I actually want credit. I actually knew that. I was like, no, Dan, we're not doing a top five. We're not ah. doing a top, We're doing a top three. Oh, no, that even better. No, no, that one was actually completely engineered by me. Well, that's fantastic. That makes it a better example then because you were doing it and I didn't even know you were doing it and the reason why you were doing it. And so that just proves that I think people really just sort of coalesce around those things because it's the easiest way to impart that information. So fantastic. So why don't we wrap up here on this particular episode? Uh, thank you, of course, uh, for listening and all the comments and suggestions that we've received. Uh, we appreciate the encouragement. Uh, we, we love it that you're listening. Uh, keep those coming into us, uh, suggesting the ideas that you'd like us to cover uh, on future episodes. You can do all that through dolessbad.com. Uh, and then of course, on any of our social channels uh, on Twitter uh, and Instagram, uh, we'd love to hear from you. This is our last episode of the year. Lucky number 13, imagine. Wow. Woohoo. Exciting. It is hard to believe, too. So thank you, Jason, for helping to make it happen because it would not have happened without you. Well, I own a microphone and some headphones, and I was like, heck, what not? Why don't we just do a podcast? So <laughs> it's been my pleasure. And wow, it's just been fantastic working with you, Madeline. Same here. So we are going to be back in everybody's ears on January 4th. Hope you have a very happy holiday season and whatever holidays you may celebrate and an absolutely healthy and sane new year. Well, thank you so much, everybody. We really appreciate it. Until we speak again on January 4th, enjoy your holidays. And remember, keep doing good. Uh, and that can be just as simple as doing less bad, right? All right, Jenny, take us out. You've made it through another episode of Do Less Bad, that podcast about how companies can do less bad in order to do more good. Check us out at dolessbad.com. Until next time, stop fretting over doing more good and just do less bad.